You're listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast, a daily podcast dedicated to helping B2B marketing, sales, and customer success professionals become masters of their craft. It's Thursday, and today you'll hear an episode from our Takeover series. Every month, we ask a different practitioner or thought leader to host a series of interviews that cover a specific theme that's relevant to our community. And like Sangram always says, without a community, you are simply a commodity. Here we go. Sangram here. Welcome to another takeover series for the Flip My Funnel podcast. I'm here with a very good friend of mine. Over the last year, I think we have connected on so many different levels, a part of the peak community, part of the Flip My Funnel. And I've also been using their services for a lot of the things that I produce in terms of video. So Amber, Amber Khan, she's the founder of Repurpose Den. She's an international best-selling author. And she also, this would get you, she's also an average runner. I think you're better than me, Amber. But Amber, thank you for, for joining me uh, and doing this series. Oh, thank you for having me. All right. So Amber, tell me and tell the audience, what is the name of your series and what is this series all about? All right. Well, this particular series is called Impactful Living. And the reason being, this is a series where we feature purpose-led leaders who are making a meaningful impact through their work and touching and changing lives of many. I love that. I love that. You know, what's interesting about it is that we have a lot of episodes on marketing, and I think this is going to give people a necessary break because ultimately, whatever you do, you got to have impact. So share a few people that you are going to interview and the topics that you're going to interview on uh, in the series. Yeah, sure. So uh, just one of them uh, is, is Claude Silver, who talks about building a culture of empathy. Then I have Mary Henderson. She based, is based in Australia, and she talks about how to commercialize your expertise into a profitable business, which a lot of us you know, struggle with, especially those who are pivoting from, say, a corporate career and now looking into starting their own business. And then I am, I'm going to have uh, Daniel Priestley, who is the author of multiple books, one of them being Key Person of Influence, The Entrepreneurship Revolution. And with him, we're going to talk about some awesome stuff. He's just published yesterday a new book called um, How to Raise Entrepreneurial Kids. And, and we're going to talk a lot about that. Wow. Like, I, <laughs> yeah. I mean, almost every one of this sounds like a story worth going through. Uh, one of the things, and this is where we're going to end because this is going to be an introduction. So folks, as you're listening to this, you may be listening to the first interview that Amber did, maybe the last one. There's a whole series of about 10 or so that we're going to have in for you and we'll play every Tuesday and Thursday in the series. So, if, if, And it will tell you if this is the one, the first episode or is this the eighth episode so you can go figure out if you need to go back and watch some of or listen to some of these video interviews. But what's interesting, Amber, about all of this is there's a question that uh, Andy Stanley, someone that I follow, says in his book, Better Decision, Fewer Regrets. Mm. And he asked this very question that what story are you going to tell? And that is a very interesting question when you start going back in life, because each one of us has a story that we want to tell. And there is a story that people are writing right now that they don't know. And, and I think people need to recognize that. So I love the fact that you're creating this impactful living series that's going to help people to recognize and come out of their shell maybe mm. a little bit and recognize that they have a story to tell. They're going to tell that story to their kids, their grandkids, or, or their neighbor or somebody. And hopefully the interviews that you're going to do is going to 
have them thinking about this and actually start writing their own story the way they want to. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the idea with all each one of those interviews is that I want people to go with at least one takeaway that they can implement right in their life just by listening to, you know, the guest stories or the challenges that they share during those interviews. And if we can just make a difference in one person's life, I know it would be all worth it. I love it. And again, this is what I love about this, this takeover series. You get such a different perspective. And Amber, you also bring in a global perspective because you have people from all over the world who are interviewing in the series. So Amber, again, thank you so much for doing it. All the information to connect to Amber, her company, her book, uh, and all the things that she does is going to be in the show notes. So check that out. And Amber, let's take it away. Awesome. Good day, greetings, ciao, namaste, and salams to peeps from all around the world. Welcome to the Impact 2.0 show series. Now, this series features purpose-led leaders who are making a meaningful impact through their work and touching and changing lives of many. Stick around till the end, and I promise you that you'll walk away with at least one, if not more practical yet scrumptious takeaways from each show episode, like an ice cream sundae topped with heavy whipped cream, melted dark chocolate, and a dash of gold dust. Now, my today's guest is a cutting-edge digital media sales leader who's had stints in companies like Pandora, CBS Radio, Spotify, and currently he's the chief growth officer at DAX. So will you please put your virtual hands together to welcome my fantabulous guest, Les Hollander. Thank you. Good day. Hope everybody Good is day, well. Les. So, um, Les. We're going to start this session off. Let me switch the screen to, yeah, this is better. Great. Alrighty. So now we're going to start off this session. I like to call it, let's call it fish and chips of the conversation. Uh, we, we are going to start off the show with a quick fire round. So are you ready, Liz? I am. All right, let's go. What is your go-to order at your favorite restaurant, hometown restaurant? Okay, that would be uh, Brando's in Asbury Park, New Jersey. And my favorite would be the chicken uh, milanese, which is pounded very thin on a bed of arugula. That is absolutely delicious. And I usually start with a couple of crab cakes and then have a nice glass of red wine with that also. That's not, that sounds delicious. <laughs> All right. If you were an Olympic athlete, what would be your sport? Um, it would be marathon running. So I've run uh, two marathons in my life, uh, the New York Marathon, and, uh, you know, trained very hard and really have a great admiration for marathon runners because it's a test of um, endurance and will and determination, uh, you know, involves creative visualization and it involves pushing your body and your mind to limits in that 20. 6.2 miles, that generally is very difficult. Yeah, awesome, awesome. Now, if you could read one book over and over for the rest of your life, what would it be and why? So it would probably be The Great Gatsby by F. Scott Fitzgerald. Um, it's one of the books that I vividly remember because it creates a great theater of the mind. Uh, the words kind of jump off the page and take you back to that time of sort of a, a gilded golden era uh, on Long Island of, you know, 
um, beautiful cars and beautiful homes and dressing up. And um, it's just, it, it felt really wonderful reading that book and, and always, always takes me back to a time that, although I didn't experience, I think would be uh, really interesting. I'm sure you've seen the movie on it as well, right? Yes, I have. Yeah, it's lovely movie. Yeah. All right. What do you think is the greatest invention in your lifetime? Uh, this one right here, the iPhone. <laughs> um, you know, clearly uh, it's been life-changing for everybody to have a handheld computer for a number of reasons, not only for telecommunication and talking on the phone and being mobile, but for visual, for shopping, for consuming music, news, uh, et cetera, for playing games, um, just the list goes on and on. So I believe that's the most transformative invention in my lifetime. Yeah, I'm sure everybody could (laughs) could relate to that. Now, what's the best advice you've ever been given? Um, The best advice I've ever been given is take chances and go for it. Um, If you want to do something, you need to uh, take some chances. Uh, If you want to be an entrepreneur, you need to take some chances. If you want to switch industries or if you want to get to the top, you need to take chances. And, And part of the advice was someone said, you know, when you succeed, people around you will say, well, I told you that was going to work. And then when you don't succeed, those same people will always tell you, well, I told you that wasn't going to (laughs) work. So you you really need to um, take chances and extend yourself and learn along the way and just go for it. And um, I've I've tried to do that in the right uh, environments and scenarios. Absolutely amazing. Now, hooray, we did it. This deserves, I believe, a wiggle and a dance. So you might have heard of this song. We did it. We did it. We did it. We did it. Do you have young kids? I Well, my children are older right now. They're actually uh, 26 and 23. Um, wow. So they are, they are some of my prouder, prouder uh, achievements. They're out oh, the that's right. <laughs> Proud father. Yes. All right. Awesome. So you might not be so familiar with the song anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I have heard it. <laughs> All right. So let's get into the fish and chips of this conversation. Les, could you take, imagine I'm, I'm holding a pair of gloves. Could you take these boxing gloves and smash for me and not my face, please, but some kind of digital media myth a bogus strategy, a misconception, and set the record straight once and for all? Sure. So, you know, people think the digital world is, and digital transformation is all about technology. It's actually not as much about technology. Technology is the vessel. But what it's really about is how you communicate and the conversations you're having um, with your core constituencies. It's how you amplify what you're trying to say and what you're trying to do and what you're trying to get someone to do or believe. Mm. It's about having meaningful conversations and it's also about human behavior. So, Mm. you know, the big myth for me is about, it's not about always the most beautiful website or Mm. the fastest internet speed, or, you know, the largest amount of servers that handle all this traffic. 
it's it's much more about the human interaction and and if you take something like what i what i'm thinking of as you bring this question up is um d to c and d to c direct to consumer mm. is an uh incredibly hot topic now mm. now certainly um technology is the vessel for that but the conversations that marketers are having now directly with consumers about switching uh, contact lens companies, for example, which mm-hmm. is something I did with mm-hmm. a, a uh, even though I'm wearing reading glasses, uh, with a D to C company or yeah. ordering ordering um, co- you know coffee beans online mm-hmm. direct from the source. Um, that comes from some myth busting and technology in and transformation in that. People had to understand how to have these conversations, what human behavior is, what are the the buttons that you're going to need to push through this technology transformation to Mm -hmm. change the way people behave. Because I used to go to Whole Foods to buy coffee, right? Mm -hmm. I had a lovely display. Mm -hmm. And now when I go online, I'm looking at where the beans were sought, uh, sourced from, um, watching the uh, the person taste the coffee, talk about what the aroma of it is, mm. whether it's chocolate or uh, citrus or, or so on. So I know I'm a little bit down a rabbit hole, but it's a good example of, mm. of a digital myth. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I love that because I'm sure we're going to talk about later on more, more about it, how the consumer behavior is changing. Um, but firstly, what has been your career highlight so far and what lessons you took away from it? Um, so, you know, I've had several career highlights. I've been very blessed in that uh, I've worked at uh, tra- some transformative companies like Spotify and like Pandora and like DAX, uh, where we are now. I'd say, you know, one of the the highlights for me happened recently in that, you know, as a society, we've reached the chip, the tipping point of the way people are consuming digital audio or consuming audio, that there's more than 50% of the population in the U.S. that consumes audio digitally mm-hmm. than they consume it in an analog on a traditional radio or with an MP3 or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. So that's been one of the, that, that's been a recent highlight. Uh, certainly, uh, you know, getting to see the world at Spotify. When I came to Spotify in 2013, uh, we were in 20 countries. When I left, uh, we were in over 73 countries and wow. was able to visit Asia and Australia and parts of Europe and different parts of the world and learn about cultures and people and media. Um, attend events like uh, the Cannes Advertising Festival and do things that, you know, I never really dreamed that I would be able to do. So those are some highlights also. Awesome. So before we deep dive into the future of digital media and monetization, can you share with our viewers and listeners briefly what does DAX offer and where does your role fit into the bigger picture? Sure. So uh, DAX stands for Digital Advertising Exchange. It was originally the Digital Audio Exchange. We are part of and owned by Global, which is the largest broadcasting and second largest 
out of home company in the UK, in, mm-hmm. in your hometown, Amber. Mm-hmm. Um, and what we do is uh, at DAX in particular, is we are an aggregator of pure play streams like TuneIn, SoundCloud, Spotify, 977 Music, and others, as well as broadcast streams from Global, from Cumulus, from Urban One, from others, as well as we work with podcasters um, to help them publish and monetize uh, their content. So many of the secondary and tertiary pure play streamers like a SoundCloud or a TuneIn or a 977 Music or um, Audio Mac, for example, don't have uh, an ability to hire a big sales team to sell advertising on their platform. They utilize uh, DAX in the US, the UK, and Canada uh, to sell advertising. For them, and as do the the broadcasters of their digital audio streams too. So both uh, both uh, podcasters and advertisers both can utilize the service. Correct. So it's a it's we make the connection from content creator to marketer. Hmm. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, that's that's pretty clear now. <laughs> <laughs> So let me address the elephant in the room first. Is traditional media dying and how is digital media replacing it for better? Um, So traditional media is not dying. Um, (laughs) It is uh, becoming much more fragmented, but traditional media is being consumed on digital media channels. Mm. So I think what people, and a lot of it is generational too, which I'll, which I'll get into in a moment. Um, so people are still listening to the LBC in the mm-hmm. UK, or they're listening to the radio station as well as Spotify or TuneIn or SoundCloud. They're doing that through digitally connected devices. They're doing it through mobile devices, desktop uh, computers. They're doing it through connected televisions, mm-hmm. Roku devices. Amazon Fire, and of course, smart speakers. So, you know, smart speakers are probably the fastest growing um, part of digital consumption that's out there because so many more homes are bringing smart speakers in um, right now. But part of what's happening too is based on the different consumption habits of different generations. So, I'm I'm a fat, I'm a follower of. Uh, Pew Media Research. And Pew Media Research is one of the companies globally um, that categorizes generations. So one of the studies they recently released was that uh, baby boomers have aged out of the 25 to 54 demo, and Mm -hmm. millennials are now the largest generation Mm. in the world because some of those baby boomers have passed away. Yeah. So if you think about it, you have Gen Z on the young end, which is, uh, you know, basically 13 to 22. You yeah. have millennials that are 23 to 38. Gen Xers who were 38 to uh, 54 or 55. Mm-hmm. And some of those are starting to age out. And then you have baby boomers. Mm-hmm. So if you look at the consumption of digital media from uh, a 13-year-old to a 54-year-old, it ranges from 85% to about 
76%, particularly with digital audio, and then drops off to under 50% for uh, people over 55. Mm. So part of it, part of the digital transformation is taking place because of the generational change Mm -hmm. that, you know, Gen Z, millennial, Gen Xers have dramatically different media consumption habits uh, than baby boomers and their, their counterparts did before them. So, you know, I think people, particularly in, with the pandemics, um, their media consumption habits have changed pretty dramatically. So, you know, before COVID, we were commuting to work, whether it be in our car, uh, whether it be in public transportation, uh, we would go to the gym. Uh, you know, we would go to work and connect to our laptop, maybe to listen to music during the day. We would come home, maybe activate a smart speaker while preparing dinner, study, etc. Now, all of those media habits have been condensed into an at-home media habit. So there's some pretty dramatic change in digital transformation because I think it's also been accelerated by the pandemic, because our habits have changed. Yeah, habits have changed. So we were talking about um, the change in consumer behavior. Yes. So, and I mean, you you talked about how the consumer behavior is changing because of, uh, you know, the age groups that the um, baby boomers uh, are now less in population, but also the fact with with the post-pandemic would be seeing the consumer behavior. So how, how much is... Uh, is dependent on the post-pandemic. Is it temporary consumer behavior change in your uh, in your opinion? You no, know, I I think some of it will be permanent. I think people who traditionally may have been listening to more analog or traditional, uh, you know, media now are going to be consuming media through digital channels more more often. And um, I think that is that's absolutely here to here to stay. Awesome, awesome. So a lot of our viewers and listeners are into podcasting and live streaming. So how do you see the future of digital media as it pertains to podcasting and live streaming? Sure, and and I, I'd start by going back to the difference between uh, a millennial and a baby boomer, where a baby boomer might have a newspaper delivered to their door or watch uh, the 6.30 or 7 o'clock news, a millennial and a Gen Z and a Gen Xer are going to listen to the BBC podcast or the Daily from the New York Times or get uh, their sports from Sky Sports or ESPN. So I think generationally that... um, Podcasts will grow, and I think again, part of it is because of the way the changing consumer habits. I think podcasts, in particular, are growing really fast. However, um, it's still a relatively nascent space, meaning that discovery is still a challenge with podcasts. Yeah. Yeah. You, know, you go on to Apple, or you go on to Spotify, or you go on to the Global Player, or anywhere else. And there's a wide variety of choice, but being able to get through that choice to understand um, what the podcast is that fits you exactly is time consuming and uh, sometimes a little bit clunky mm-hmm. and um, is difficult. Mm-hmm. Now, there's a benefit to that in that people who have a little more time are, con- are 
discovering more content. But I think once the discovery piece has become more succinct, in particular with podcasts, it will grow exponentially. But I also think there will be a little bit of a fallout in terms of content creators because the very long tail content creators will have trouble surviving mm. uh, because mm. there, there are you know hundreds, if not thousands of new podcasts mm. that are created every day. And a mm. large percentage of the audience for podcasts come from that top 10%, sort of mm. that 90-10 rule. Mm. Um, my belief is, is that um, the formatting of podcasts will uh, start to adjust also, that people will get used to more short form uh, content, right. you know, right. five minutes, 10 minutes, yeah. 15 minutes, as opposed to a half hour yeah. or an hour. And that means that there will be different types of storytelling because mm -hmm. podcasts are about telling a story. And, and mm -hmm. um, you know, certainly there are people who are very skillful at telling half hour stories or an hour long stories. Um, I think telling some of these stories in five, 10 or 15 minutes becomes more of a challenge and is something that will be improved upon as the medium grows. Absolutely. So how can, let's say, I mean, not only just the existing podcasters um, or entrepreneurs who are leveraging digital audio, how can they use digital audio to grow, to further grow their business as we move on post-COVID? Sure. So, uh, you know, one of the things that I would recommend, uh, one is, uh, you know, using automated, some more automated services that help you uh, monetize more quickly help you edit uh, quickly with background, uh, et cetera. Um, I would also encourage them to uh, look deeper into hosting because there's an emerging um, part of the podcast space right now that has that is going from voice transcription to text where there are several companies out there that have developed technology that are transcribing podcasts and then feeding them into search. So if someone later on wanted to uh, find out more about digital audio, they can put it in the search box um, mm. in whatever player they're on. And then, you know, 10 or 15 podcasts would come up. It's in the mm. very early days because mm. no one had aggregated that part of digital audio, but yeah. it's a, it's a space that's really fast becoming um, important for a number of reasons. One, because of the search, but from a uh, content creator standpoint and from a publisher standpoint, it allows uh, the content creators and the hosts to also vet the content for what's uh, acceptable versus unacceptable content. I see. Yeah. Um, I mean, voice search, I think we all know voice search is, you know, it's becoming huge um, uh, and more and more. I think Google, uh, Google really does like, you you know, when you put recordings, be it in video format and, or, or on Google audio and, and you can actually search um, through the transcription of, of um, uh, uh, those assets, those digital assets uh, and search for particular content. But yes, it need you know, the future is bright. Um, yes. And when that starts happening, yeah, uh, the SEO world will change a little bit as well. Yes. 
So drawing from your vast experience of um, audio and podcast monetization, could you share with the viewers and listeners what doesn't work and pitfalls to watch out for? Sure. So one of the first things that come to mind is um, advertisers who take a commercial that they run on the radio and try to run it in a podcast <laughs> or, or publish it on streaming audio. Part of the, I, I, I see you've been exposed to that. Um, yes, absolutely. Part of the reason it doesn't work is you're going from a one-to-many medium, mm-hmm. primarily to a one-to-one medium. So a message that may be speaking in a very loud voice about buying a, a mobile phone for this great price um, and kind of yelling and, and spraying the message all over the place when you have your headphones in and maybe listening to music on your favorite streaming service or if you're listening to a podcast, that doesn't work. It's too jarring. Yeah. So that is, that is one of the, the, the things that, that, that doesn't work. The other, th- the other mistakes that people make are not using the data that you can get from podcasting and from streaming and from digital in your messaging. So if you know someone is, uh, has their children's bath time playlist on, you know, and you do want to put a message in there, it should be soothing. Or if you know someone is exercising and, you know, you're trying to reach them with messaging, you should understand that environment and how to reach them in that environment when they're maybe competitive and thinking about reaching their goals. maybe thinking about their creative inspiration. And do you think that audio uh, um, search, does it, does it provide that kind of data at the moment? It, do, it, it does and it will. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you can, you know, if you ask enough questions mm-hmm. uh, and you're a digital media professional, generally you can get to the granularity or the, num- the, the data uh, that you're looking for. So. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it be in politics or whether it be for pharma companies who are looking for uh, people with specific health issues or whether it be more simplified where people are looking for auto intenders or home buyers or, um, uh, you know, people who are getting married or, you know, shopping for furniture, whatever it may be. The, the data is there uh, mm-hmm. to use and not enough people use it. All right. So cu- currently, how many ways are there to um, using digital um, monetization, so digital advertising for digital audio? Like how many ways can you, let's say top three ways of reaching the right audience? Like, sure. like how, do we, how do we know that? Sure. One uh, would be a- the age uh, of the person that you're trying to reach, the uh, location of the person you're trying to reach. And then the third thing would be a data point about uh, an interest or a propensity. So Mm -hmm. if you know that they are a, you know, uh, 32-year-old man who might be on their mobile phone uh, listening to an exercise playlist, they may be more apt to be interested in fashion because they're health conscious, for Mm -hmm. example. So, you know, using, again, using all those signals to do that. And different platforms can give you different signals for different moods and moments. Mm. Um, 
whether it be for podcasting or more succinctly for music as you know music is a a signal an identifier for happy and sad uh you know later early uh getting married at a party exercise studying cooking cleaning you know there's just a multitude of of habits and uh signals you get from that yeah that's awesome i mean i i know that through like um platforms like Google and Facebook, Instagram, the, the, when you talk, uh, talk about advertising on those platforms, the visual platforms, uh, we know that there is a lot of data there and that we could target some metrics, but um, uh, you're saying that with audio, we can, we can do the same. Yes. Yes. You, yes, you can. So, you know, age, gender, geography, uh, interests, um, there's a, there's a number of things. And of course, you know, uh, being compliant to people who opt in to share mm. their data is extremely important mm. based on whether you're in the UK or California, mm. Canada, the US, et cetera. Yeah. All right. All right. Now, Liz, I can't pretend to know all about you. So what should I ask you that I didn't know enough to ask? Or uh, what would you like to share either about yourself or Dax that we didn't get a chance to chat about? Um, I would just share with myself, uh, I like to travel. Um, you know, I've, as I said before, I've uh, been fortunate enough to travel all over the world. I like to uh, do things and be at big events. I ran the Bulls in Pamplona uh, uh-huh. twice, which was fun. I've run the, run the New York Marathon uh, twice. I've you are a serious runner. Yeah, uh, the Super Bowl to World Series. Uh, you know, the thing, you know, Stanley Cup, things of that nature. Um, I enjoy what I do. I've, um, I'm a lover of audio, of audio storytelling in particular, and that's part of why I'm here. And, um, you know, I, I came to a crossroads in my career uh, about 12 years ago or so. And I was in the broadcasting business and um, working at radio stations at CBS and, uh, you know, was an SVP and um, was downsized, you know, had, had an opportunity to really look inward and figure out what I wanted to do with myself and made this conscious decision and took this journey uh, with some advice that people gave me. and understood that part of my intellectual capital was around audio because I'd been in the audio business and made a, a, a conscious effort to take that intellectual capital and apply it to digital. Okay. So to uh, work at a company called bus radio that beamed kid-friendly content in school buses across the country, then uh, was employee number 114 at Pandora. And then, uh, you know, a short stop at Gannett and went to Spotify. And, you know, through that and through some of those changes, I've had the opportunity to talk to other companies in, in digital, whether it be, you know, TikTok or whether it be, uh, you know, Rubicon project or, or whatever it is. And I've made this conscious effort that um, I wanted to be as much of an expert as I can in the mm-hmm. audio space. That was going to be, my lane and I was going to stick with it. Um, and I've been really happy and I've enjoyed it. Um, I've been a, a lover of music for, 
my whole life, I've mm. seen more artists in concerts uh, than could fit in this podcast. Um, and um, that was that's just something I could share in that I think it was a really good decision. And I just go back to the part that people, especially now, you know, in the pandemic where there are, there are a bunch of people out of work, what should I do? Should I stay in the industry I'm at? You know, should I go to a different industry? Should I try something new? And, you know, what I encourage people to do is really to search inward, understand where their intellectual capital is, what makes them happy, and make an informed decision as opposed to um, taking the job that someone offers them because they're paying attention to them, which happens to people very frequently. Yeah, absolutely. It happens all the time. But yes. would, would you say, um, you know, 12 years ago, like you said, you were in the crossroads, but did you, like, had you predicted or did you know or did you have a feeling that digital audio would be growing so big that, that, that there is such a huge future for this? I didn't think it would grow this quickly, this quickly. So I thought there would be a future. Uh, a lot of people told me I was crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I didn't think it would grow this fast and this quickly. But again, I think this particular device is what's helped accelerate the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And you're absolutely right. 12 years ago, I don't think if we would be having this conversation. <laughs> right, right. And you know, the, the interesting thing about digital, by the way, too, yeah. is um, it goes against the immutable laws of marketing. So the thing in digital that's different than the auto industry or pack, package goods is in those industries like package goods and automotive, the first in one, the first person to invent the car had a foothold mm-hmm. Henry Ford for many years. The first person to invent Jell-O, you know, that, that company, it became a generic brand. With technology, because it changes so dramatically, the first in um, doesn't always win. And I use the example of, you know, uh, over a dozen years ago, we all carried Blackberries. And we all thought having a raised keyboard and a Blackberry was just the bomb. And we were going to do that forever. And this, you know, someone started talking about um, not having a raised keyboard and having a screen and a different type of device. And we're like, no, we're all going to have our Blackberries forever. Yeah. But it changes. And, and, I, and I compare that from Pandora to Spotify, too, because the technology changed mm. also. And the, the audiences moved, moved with that, uh, some of that technology. Yeah, absolutely. Do you remember the, the analog Nokia phones? The, the yeah. non <laughs> Well, I, I still remember buying my first one. I was so proud of myself, and I thought, "What a cool gadget!" Like I thought this was this was like insane, yeah, uh, the Matrix style. I was like, "Oh my god, I have the coolest invention in my hand!" Right, and and it was small, and it was like a flip phone, and we thought, "Oh, can it get any smaller and cooler?" Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> well, how little did we know? Yeah. All right, Liz, as you know, this particular series um, we're delivering is called Impact 2.0. Could you uh, share with our um, viewers and listeners maybe a story or a moment or an encounter that had a profound impact and changed the course of your life? 
So about 12 years ago, when I went on that journey I talked about, I went to seeking some advice from uh, someone and, uh, you know, sort of about what to do next. And it was more directional advice, but I'll remember it because it was really good advice. And they said, take out a legal pad and make a list of every person you've worked for, every person you've worked with, every person you've given business to, every person you've done business with, Mm. and start having conversations, start having coffees, and start having cocktails and lunches and breakfasts with those people. And it would lead you in places that will ultimately get you to where you want to be. That is the way to do it. And it seems really simple, mm. but it was mm. great advice. And it, yeah. it brought me on a journey to learn a lot about um, digital media, learn a lot about people too, because some of those people met with you because they wanted to find out what you could do for them, not what they could do for you. So, you know, it also sort of helped separate some of those people. We all know who they are. Um, And um, that was a really great uh, piece of moment in my life. Um, The other one I would say is when I learned how to become uh, a facilitator of brainstorming sessions. And um, I really enjoy brainstorming with people and I've become a master facilitator. Uh, brainstorming facilitator and, uh, you know, making lists and making choices from those lists has become a utility in my life, Uh, Mm. whether it's personal or professional or, you know, helping advise my children. So those would be two examples. Uh, that's that's a great thing to do facilitate, facilitate because it brings up actually it develops a lot of skills that we do need uh, in life whether it be it's raising kids as you mentioned or in 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 business relationships yes uh, you know <laughs> so it's yeah i i mean I, I talk to a lot of people who do come uh, from that background like coaching or facilitating background and then uh, end up doing their own business um physical product or anything, but if they come from that background, so they have this, um, the, the, the skills to connect and relate to people mm-hmm. and, and, and to how to communicate with them. Yes. It's a good one. All right. So we're coming up towards the end of our groovy chat. Before I ask you to share a challenge with our listeners and viewers, I'd like to ask one more hypothetical question. Sure. Richard, if you had a hundred million pounds or dollars, to spend on making a meaningful impact in the world, how would you spend it? Um, I would spend it on uh, helping the world become more sustainable um, by uh, really making sure everybody and everything um, adhered to a sustainable packaging model. So one of the things that frustrates me is how many things we throw out and how much garbage we produce every day. Um, you know, whether it was, you know, opening the package of cream cheese this morning or the bottle of shampoo that I finished uh, earlier, well, not shampoo, body wash, <laughs> um, um, or so on and so forth. So I would use that to create a circular model in the world um, so there was less waste. 
A good cause, a great cause. And and we can, certainly something we need right now with all the global warming that's happening. <laughs> We've, I, I mean, I don't know about New York, but in London, um, it's like it. It's a drastic change in weather from 10 years ago, 15 years ago. It, I mean, uh, I moved here at 18 years ago, but people say it used to snow here, like, you know, two feet deep snow. Uh-huh. Uh, and uh, I've seen snow probably twice in the last 18 years uh, and it doesn't snow here anymore. All right. That's, you know, that kind of drastic change we're talking about here. Very dramatic. Yeah, very dramatic. All righty. So, Lastly, it's that time of the interview for us. And you may be thinking, what is it? Gossip time or share fun pickup lines time or tell an embarrassing joke time? Unfortunately, we are not that type of a show. Not yet anyway. Okay. But what it is time for is the 48-hour challenge time. So let's. This is where I ask you to share what is that one thing that our viewers and listeners can implement in the next 48 hours that doesn't require a team or a massive budget? Yeah. Uh, So it would be select a podcast, a scripted story podcast, go for a long walk and listen to that podcast. Um, Be careful crossing the street, but get (laughs) yourself immersed in. Um, audio storytelling um, as a medium, because I think it's a wonderful medium that's been around for many, many years that we take advantage of. And I'm also a big believer in stop and smell the roses. Okay. Mm -hmm. We're all a little bit stir crazy being at home during the pandemic. Um, I do believe we're all going to be okay and we're going to come out of it, but sometimes it's good just to stop and, and smell the roses and whether it's a beautiful day or be thankful for your partner or your family or whatever it may be. If you want to pray, that's also obviously uh, good if that makes you um, happy. But um, those two things, so it would be listen to a scripted podcast, go for a long walk so you're not multitasking, and then stop and smell the roses and enjoy life. All right. That sounds Awesome. So I have to ask you, I can't uh, let you go without asking, what, what is that one podcast that you listen to on a daily basis? Uh, so I listen to the NPR uh, news hour on a daily basis uh, <laughs> every day. That's my, one of my sources of news. Uh, currently, I'm just fi- finishing up season one of, it's called Bronzeville with uh, Lawrence Fishburne. It's about 1940s Chicago. Uh, and the ghetto and how uh, a community was able to sustain themselves um, um, during that time. Um, so a wonderful scripted podcast. And then I also just fin- finished, um, it's called Dossier, which is the real life crime story of the murder of Biggie Smalls. All right. All right. Something, I'm <laughs> making note of all of this, some, some new podcasts to check out. Yes. All right. All right, peeps. We have reached the end of the show. For more bite-sized takeaways of our fab conversations, you may want to subscribe to my YouTube channel, the link for which you can see on the screen. It's bit.ly forward slash spreading ideas with Amber Khan. And now, Les, where can our fantabulous viewers and listeners find you or follow your content? Uh, They can follow me on LinkedIn. Um, They can follow me on Instagram 
Elhala uh, at Instagram.com. Those would be here. those yeah. would be the 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 the, uh, the best two. All right, awesome, awesome. Well, thank you, Les. Thanks for joining me today, and for now. Okay, great to see you. Thanks again. Cheers. Cheers. You've been listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast. To make sure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you have an iPhone, we'd love for you to open the Apple Podcasts app and leave a review. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.